Hello, Rasa. Hiya, Dad. How are you today? I'm doing great. Excellent. I'm doing well myself. Are you ready to know everything? I am ready to know everything. Let's go, go, go. Okay. Today, I want to share with you something I say to remind me how to get over any problem and really succeed in life. Wow. This sounds like it's very valuable information. My saying is, my strength is my weakness. Ooh, but how? Well, I actually mean two things by that. First, I am strong. I am smart. I am capable. I am committed. And that can get me into trouble. Because it leads me to think I can figure everything out on my own. And I can't. Over and over, whatever I'm trying to accomplish, I need other people to help me. I benefit from their advice and ideas, their skills and experiences, their support and their connections, all the people they know too. When I think I'm so strong, I should be able to do it all myself, I get stuck. I get stopped. I get confused and I get discouraged. My strength is my weakness. Oh. And that also means my weakness is my strength. If I know I can't or shouldn't have to do it all alone all the time, I'm empowered to ask for help. I get the support, the knowledge, the connections to move forward. And maybe I even encourage other people by my example. We can all be weak alone and strong together at the same time. That makes sense. Think of me playing basketball against you and four friends, for example. Mm. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm more experienced. You're better at basketball. Well, thank you. But any two or three of you could block me completely. And then the other two or three of you could score at will. So much in life is like that. It's great to build up and develop your strengths, but find your team and you can take on what otherwise seems impossible. Wow, that's so true. In life, you are always just stronger together. My strength is my weakness. If I think I should be stronger than I am, I'm in trouble. If I know I'm doing my best and I could still use help, I'm okay. Like that old saying, two heads are better than one. Or three, or four, or five. <laughs> are you ready for today's poem? I'm ready! It is from the book. Becoming Weather by Chris Martin. And I should say in advance, two words that are a little tricky. Tenebrous means dark and gloomy. And iridescent means the opposite. Bright and colorful. Whoa. Becoming Weather by Chris Martin. Cabin arid. Oakland to Brooklyn. With bodies that insist, persist, insist. The woman once asleep in her light green shirt startles into seeing tenebrous light on my lap, arriving in pulses from the tip of the wing. Life is not so far as the tip of one's nose. Descent iridescent. Wow, there's so many good words in that poem. Can I read it? Yeah, absolutely. Becoming Weather by Chris Martin. Cabin arid. 
Oakland to Brooklyn with bodies that insist, persist, insist. The woman went to sleep in her light green shirt startles into seeing tenebrous light on my lap, arriving in pulses from the tip of the wing. Life is not so far as the tip of one's nose. The scent iridescent. Where does this poem take place? I'm not sure. Oakland to Brooklyn? Oakland is in Northern California. Brooklyn is part of New York City. So one is on the West Coast, one is on the East Coast. What could Oakland to Brooklyn mean? Maybe it's the train there? Perhaps, but you're seeing light from the tip of the... Wings? An airplane! That's exactly right. This poem takes place in an airplane from Oakland to Brooklyn, from the West Coast to the East Coast. The cabin is arid and dry. The cabin is, of course, the inside of the airplane where people sit. Yeah. The wing is right outside, and the play of light is what the woman is seeing on his lap. Wow. This poem, you normally wouldn't think of. He's talking about life and insisting, persisting, insisting again. That's not usually when you think when you get on the airplane. We're like, what movie should I watch? It's kind of sleepy. But he describes it in such a beautiful way. It's amazing. Well, I like that you have such a bright and beautiful memory of airplanes. It's been a while since we took an airplane, isn't it? We're kind of Mm -hmm. cooped up these days. But those of us with bigger bodies, when we're sitting next to people, especially when they're strangers, it can feel like we're crammed in together. Bodies that insist, persist insist. And there might be someone next to you who's a total stranger in her light green shirt. And she's asleep and then she startles, wakes up and sees the light on your lap. And it lets her know that you're coming out of the clouds. You're coming down into Brooklyn. In this case, yeah. So you go from this cramped in feeling where life is not as far as the tip of your nose to this whole shining world that you start to see out the window. Descent iridescent. Wow. Do you think of airplanes as something most people miss in this time where we're traveling so much less? Or do you think that they're glad to not have to be crammed together with those other bodies that insist, persist, insist? Or do you think... They used to not like it, but now they kind of miss it. And this poem will make them remember the iridescent parts as well as the squirmy, crammy parts. Yeah, I think it's a mix. I mean, I love airplanes. And I also, people might not like the airplanes themselves. I think maybe they miss the rides so they can go places. See family and friends? Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to read these poems and go places through them? (sighs) Yes, we will. Thanks for the ride, poets. Last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? I do. My vexing question is, 
It's kind of funny. Where do people get plastic? So many things are made of plastic. There's thousands of plastic things. Even just sitting here, the chair is plastic. That little action figure is plastic. The sequin pillow is plastic. The ears on my Mickey Mouse hat are plastic. Yeah. So I was wondering, where do they get plastic? So many things are made of plastic. But what is plastic made of? Where does it come from? Yeah. All right. I'll do some research. I'll get back to you soon. Sounds good. I'm back, and I've got the answer to your vexing question. Plastics are synthetic materials. That means they're made by humans. They don't occur in nature, and they're made from polymers, molecules composed of many repeating subunits, kind of like a poem written with only two or three letter combinations. What's special about these is you can heat them up and shape them like clay. Plastic comes from the Greek word to mold, but then they're solid when they go back to regular temperatures. So yes, you can make chairs. Action figures, suitcases, cars, and even entire buildings out of plastic or plastic parts. And they're inexpensive and strong. Modern plastics started about 120 years ago and really took off in the last 70 years. Now they're everywhere, which is a worry because what's so great about them, they're strong and cheap, is also what's scary. If they don't break down, we have to find a way to store the plastics we've used and tossed forever. And if they do break down into what's called microplastics, they enter our water system and infect our bodies and those of other animals. At current rates, within 30 years, there may be more plastic in the oceans than fish. (gasps) That's horrible. If you can help it, use less stuff and less plastic stuff and support the search for alternative ways of making things that won't take over and cover our land and water, one bag or action figure at a time. So save your water, save the fish, and save our world. You Must Know Everything is produced by me, Jeremy Smith, and her, Rasa Smith, with awesome music by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, or however you like to listen and hear dozens of previous episodes for free. Please rate, review, and share the show with friends. And please join us next time for everything you need to know.